Hey guys, welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast. I'm Rita Joyan. Before we launch into today's podcast with Sheila Brennan, who is a stroke survivor, I want to explain the fact that this podcast is all about finding meaning, your contribution, and turning your passion into a profession, finding what that passion is. But it gets even trickier, even harder when something like stroke strikes. If you have had a stroke or you know of someone who's had a stroke, you know it's really hard. It's, there is a journey of getting back onto your feet and finding meaning. And often what stroke brings with it is depression. And the reason why I've asked Sheila to come on today's episode is because, well, when stroke does happen, how do you find the meaning when you have that extra hurdle, that extra obstacle? How do you find what's going to pull you out of bed? How do you find the contribution when you feel that you have none? Because something like stroke took you out of your own life's control. So you see, a lot of people who have suffered some kind of injury, a leg injury or an arm injury, a shoulder, you know, usually you've got a sling or a cask or something that identifies that you should not be getting up and walking if you have a leg injury or an arm injury because you've got a sling around your arm. And therefore, people show more empathy and care and consideration. But when you've had a stroke, you can't tell that there's an injury. Nobody can tell that you're struggling inside. Nobody can tell. There's no identification to show people that, you know, cognitively you're struggling. You're being tired. Things are just a little bit harder. And that's why stroke is so tricky because like other injuries, you can tell most probably from the outset that somebody is struggling and therefore you show more empathy. But stroke is something that it's invisible. It's an invisible injury. You cannot look inside someone's brain, someone's mind. And that's why I wanted Sheila to come onto the program today because that invisible thing that happens in stroke is something that's so debilitating that can be so depressing sometimes that people don't know how to get out of it. And this episode is dedicated for anyone who is a carer of a stroke, who has gone through a stroke, who knows someone, and someone who just really wants to know how do you overcome those extra hurdles, extra obstacles in finding your passion, turning it into a profession, and giving meaning to your own life once again. Listen in. Hey, 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 everyone. This is Unbox Your Gift. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Rita Join, And today I have someone who I have been eager, after a few technical, technological hiccups, I have been really, really eager to interview Sheila Brennan today, simply because I've met a lot of people who have suffered from stroke. And Sheila was a private detective. She's now a retired UK, uh, pardon me, UK detective. She's a wife. She was a mum. She's a private investigator. But when that has been your identity for so long and then suddenly a stroke takes you out of the game, how do you then build yourself up again? How do you build your identity? How do you find what you're good at? How do you find your bearings? How do you navigate this terrain that is so unfamiliar and has taken you on in such surprise? And so that's why today I've brought on Sheila to share with us how she was able to 
have this remarkable career as a detective and then suddenly something takes her out and then regain and find her steps again. So Sheila, welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast. Thank you and it's lovely to be here and be invited. Thanks Rita. Thank you Sheila. So I want to take you back because I know now that you're an ambassador for uh, for Stroke, uh, the Stroke Foundation. You've written a book called a stroke of poetry, poems of healing and hope after stroke. You're a motivational speaker. That's your life now. But I want to take you back to the time when the stroke happened. So tell me what was going on in your life. What were you doing? Okay. As you said earlier as an introduction, I was a UK detective. I retired after 25 years service and we moved out here just short of 10 years ago to Australia. Um, at the time of my stroke, um, I was a, a private detective, as you said, but my workload was very low. I subcontracted, so I took on a workload that fit in with me and my son, who was 11 then. So on the 15th of April, 2013, my husband was working away then on the pipeline. Um, we had a pretty cruisy life. Um, I was waiting for him to come home. So I decided to mow the lawns, which is something I rarely did because I had a bad back. So anyway, I mowed the lawns. I'd been weeding with Patrick. And after a couple of hours, he went inside. And it was a hot day. Um, and I decided to carry on. So after I'd been working um, in the garden, I thought, you know what, I've done enough. I need to come inside to have a drink. And it's when I went inside that I started to feel a little bit sick, just very, very queasy. And I shouted to Patrick to get me a drink of water. He was upstairs. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm actually going to be sick. So I went into the toilet to um, be sick. I bent down, I knelt down on the floor and put my head into the toilet as one does. And I don't remember much after that. And what's happened is um, I, I, I awoke or came round and I was slumped on the floor and um, I couldn't move my right side at all and I couldn't talk. I actually lost my voice. Um, I actually thought I'd got a bit of a sore throat and I just couldn't get, my mouth would move, but I couldn't get the words out. And I looked at Patrick in front of me and he looked, holding this glass of water, he looked absolutely scared to death. And I just thought I'd fainted and nothing more. And then when I realised I couldn't talk and my side had gone numb, I thought, oh, there's something not right here. Um, so what happened was um, my friend unexpectedly came round, Erin, who I'm actually going to see in New Zealand this week. She was visiting and she came round and called round within a few minutes, evidently. Between them, they rang the emergency number and I was um, ambulance to hospital. Um, and at the time, the ambulance crew figured I'd probably had a stroke. So... I was blue lighted there to get the stroke team to look at me and I was in accident emergency and then they went through that process oh, and wow. eventually the yeah so it's how very old, very scary very, how old were you when the stroke happened I was 49 
I was 49. My 50th birthday was in the July. So um, I was young. I was very fit. I'd actually been the fittest I'd been since I'd been in Australia. I did a lot of walking, not much else, a lot of walking. And I'd been out with friends the night before and everybody was saying, oh my goodness, Sheila, you look really well. You look good. You've lost your weight and really fit. So yeah, very, very scary. And everybody said the last person they thought it would happen to was me. So, so what on earth happened? How did that actually take place? How does someone go from being so fit, so up and at them, looking good, being out with friends, being compliments, saying you've looked the best that you ever have, to then the next morning, have, what, what, what happened? It, it just, I think the physician was very, very stroke physician, Dr. Ron Grimley, who was very well known for stroke. Um, he actually wasn't sure. The, I mean, the scary thing is when you get to hospital and there's a suggestion that you've had a stroke, if it's possibly a clot and not a bleed, then you can get, um, they can do thrombolysis, they can give you the clot-busting drug. Now, at the time, I couldn't talk, so I was trying to write with my left hand, which was ridiculous. My sister, who'd only moved out here the month before, had come up to hospital, and they were asking me to sign a form where to agree to getting the drug. But when I looked at the form, it was one of those consent forms. It was an A4 size. I'll never forget it. And they coloured in the people as in relation to the risk of having the drug. And A, there was a a risk you could die, a risk you could be permanently disabled, and your risk heightened as you were much older, and obviously, um, but I still love to think, well, if I agree to this, then there's a potential I could be, I could die or be disabled. So my sister, it was asking my sister to make this decision for me, and that's one thing I remember clearly, and I advocate a lot now, is that just because I couldn't talk didn't mean I couldn't understand. Wow. And they were talking a little bit away from me. And I'm trying to get their attention to say, what are you talking about? I can hear you talking about this struggle. Talk to me. Yeah. Just because I can't answer, I can write, I can sign. Just, yeah. it just you know. So they came over and I remember crying and writing to Patricia. Am I expected to say yes? I, I just, yeah. and Patricia said, well, it's not a decision I can make. So... In the end, they called the physician down because he wasn't there, Rowan Grimmer. This was his staff. And Rowan got me to um, say the letter of the alphabet, like A, B, C, but mouth it. And because I could mouth it, he said, I don't, this is really bizarre. I'm pretty sure she's had a stroke, but she shouldn't perhaps be able to mouth them. So anyway, we did the scans and he found uh, what happened was that the blood had, when I'd put my head down into the toilet, obviously my blood pressure had gone a bit wacky, but I'd put my head down into the toilet and blood had come through from into my bacilla artery, which is at the back of my neck, and it burst through into my brain and then clotted and then it, um, it eventually dissipated. So he could see this very small tear in my bacilla artery into the um, on the CT scan. So then he was happy that this clot had happened this and it's called a dissection so yeah so then I was I didn't need the drug because the clot didn't need to be broken oh. up it actually traveled through and um, wow. so that was that was good news that it found something um, but, and, but, but yeah. they how like why did it happen to such a young 49 years old is very young 
yep. could they find out like what would have happened what was it stress was it no no the, 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 there were no there were no signs of anything the only thing that he imagined was because i'd got so hot on the day and blood pressure hypertension is quite um a common thing for um stroke it's quite a high risk so he said it was probably just a blood pressure i just got so hot i'd got dehydrated and that's probably what brought it on that day had i not put my head into the toilet he doesn't think it would have happened um, and yeah, I know he said it's actually the, there was the movement of, and the force and the jerk of my head going into the toilet. Um, I know I've That's had, I've, unbelievable. I've, oh, I know. God and I've met friends, I've met friends who have been laid down and got up quickly with the head and have had a stroke. Oh my God. Mm. So, so you, you go on. No, no, you, you. So the stroke happens, right? You're at home, you've, you've done the lawn, uh, you put your head down, you know, something's not right, you've come, become unconscious, you're taken in to the hospital to emergency, you're not administered the medicine because the stroke has actually gone through. What happens next? So are you completely out of it and for how long are you out of it for? Well, my voice came back... Um not properly, but it came back probably within the 24 hours slowly, a little bit too quickly, my husband said. <laughs> um, of course he'd say that. Because <laughs> I can talk. Um, and, yeah, and my movement came back. I, I was very slurry, very, very slow and laboured speech for a good week or so, but it came back um, eventually. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just bizarre. I was only in hospital two days, right. um, re rehab, which say two days where you get the speech pathologist, the dietitian, you get everything, but they all said you were doing absolutely everything right. My lifestyle didn't need to change because I always was healthy. Right. Um, so it, there was nothing that, that could do to change my lifestyle to prevent another one. And because, yeah, there, there was, everything was fine, but I never worried about having another one. And my physician said, um, it, it, what's called a TIA, which is a transient ischemic attack, because mine was an ischemic attack, which is a clot. He said a TIA, the symptoms last for more than uh, less than 24 hours and a lot of people have what they call TIAs which are precursors to strokes but he said because your symptoms have lasted more he's classed it basically as a, as a stroke but as a mini stroke as a mild stroke oh. uh, but nonetheless it was a stroke and I've and I've coped with the after effects of that for the last five years so, so yeah. when it happened uh, Sheila when the stroke happened you were still a detective at the time yeah, 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 so yeah. Were you able to go back to work? Um, actually, I had two jobs on the go at the time, and they were both coming to to fi being finalised. And I'm I was quite organised on the computer with my paperwork. So I reported to a company in Brisbane. So my sister's very um, clever and good. So she found my paperwork and managed to send it across. And they just finished the last bits and. No, sadly, I haven't been able to over the 12 months. Um, what happened was 
which is why my book came aboard is is my brain came very slow it was very slow and somebody asked me the other day could I go back to being a private investigator but I did factual investigation and you have to be snappy I dealt a lot with corporate perhaps things like bullying in the workplace um, things like that so you had to be um, snappy and interview I used to interview people face on recording so it would I had to be sharp I had to do a lot of planning I had to go through a lot of data and paperwork and my brain wouldn't do it I did try one they, they helped me along with one where they asked me to do less but I think it, at the time the anxiety of will I get it right I, I, my brain just couldn't cope with that so I decided to leave that behind eventually which took a lot of um, mindset to think I can't get back to that but my life's gone in a different yeah, yeah road anyway so all is good now all but you were good. you were a private investigator i think you said for 25 years oh i was a police in policeman for 25 years 25. in england yes yeah. yes and yes. i was a, i was a detective then I, my last five years were as a detective inspector so and as you can imagine mm-hmm. my brain was full all the time so when we came out here after seven months, I was a bit bored. I wasn't working, so I got my private investigator's license, and okay. that's what I was doing up to okay. the day of my stroke. So the stroke happens. You go back, and you know that you're not as sharp as you used to be. You're not as quick, and you're anxious that you don't know if what you're doing is correct, or you know, at the standard of what you used to do. So what happens next? Well, what happened next, really? Um, in the first three months, which are quite critical. Um, of any stroke um, and the physician had warned me that you know just take it easy but my nephew was due to get married in the UK and I asked him about flying in the June bearing in mind this was in the April and he said well it's up to you he said the emotional side of not going may be worse than the um, trip itself as long as you rest so that's what I did in the June and then my husband took me to Melbourne in the um, July for my 50th I had a party and I was very tired very fatigued but I thought things are fine but then when I had nothing to look forward to my husband went back to work my son obviously was at school and I I got depression I I couldn't I couldn't quite um I couldn't accept a lot of this and we do a lot now with young stroke survivors and it's the acceptance of having had a stroke yeah. And it's, it's really like a grieving process is accepting what you've had. And it's also accepting the life you had. And if you can't go back to it, you have to accept that and move on. Well, I couldn't, I really couldn't accept that I couldn't move on. I just couldn't move on. And I didn't know how very sad time. I didn't know how useful I could be mm. in life anymore because I did, I did well. And my husband told me I was a good wife. I was a good mum, but, for me that wasn't enough and and him hearing that was clearly quite upsetting because it's a fulfilling life being a mum and a wife and nothing else but I've all I'd always done well I'd always cracked goals and I just needed something else in my life so I decided to stay in bed and I wrote a lot of poems around that time because my brain would only work in rhyme having come round from my stroke. So I'd written some poems about how I felt about the day of my stroke. And then through my depression, I wrote some ones that I think helped me cope with yeah. my depression. 
Wow. Um, yeah, and I shared, started sharing these online on some Facebook groups and people resonated with the words I'd used about, oh, that's how I feel actually, that I can't put it into words. And knowing there were others like me yeah. made things a bit easy. So I got the medication and my sister got me out of bed but then I was very flat, carried on writing poems, and then I sought a personal trainer the following year to just get me some kilos off because I'd put on about nine kilos. Wow. And it's that and it's that that Melinda, who is a good friend of mine, put me on a mind and body challenge. And I'm I've never been into loving yourself and give yourself a hug, but I had to I have to say that the mindfulness is what what actually um, turned my life around. I began to, she taught me to focus on what I could do and not what I couldn't do. She taught me gratefulness. And the fact is by writing the poems and sharing them, I was helping people and be grateful for the life I have, even if it's not the one that you have and lots of other mindful things. So mm. that's when my life started changing for the better. And I just. So what I'd like to know, Sheila, is that, the fact that you had someone come in, if someone who's listening to this has had a stroke or has a relative, what would you recommend? Would you recommend a personal trainer? Would you, how do you get back and have purpose again? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, Rita, to be honest. And lots of people ask me, but what I, I've been conscious of um, in the last few years when I've talked to stroke survivors, I've presented at, at conferences is that, Every stroke survivor is different. And I can, I would not wish to advocate um, the, the way forward. All I can do, because uh, I'm not a clinician, I'm not a counsellor, I can only advise from my own experience. What I would say from the outset is seek support. Seek some form of support. Because however... Um, severe your stroke is and I'm lucky that I have all my limbs I accept other people don't have use of the limbs but seek support whether it's family members whether it's um, advice and I had tremendous support in Australia here we have the uh, Stroke Foundation who are the uh, non-profit organization who are really the voice of stroke in Australia. And they were tremendously supportive of me and continue to be in all my recovery. So they have immense amount of resources. There's a podcast, there's a, a website called enableme.org.au and it's absolutely, and the Stroke Foundation are strokefoundation.org.au. And enable me, I test, pilot, test piloted, is that the word? Pilot tested it. And um, it's you, you, you register and the resources on there are vast and you can actually chat to people who have had strokes. You can chat to people at the Stroke Foundation, but you can talk to people. We have stroke line that you can ring um, and just chat to people and get that support there. There's a number of resources out there, but actually invest in the support of your family and friends. If they're there to help you, don't say no. And I think that helped me tremendously by seeking support and finding something that gives you joy. Now, writing my poetry, knowing that others were being helped through it, gave me an immense amount of joy and continues to give me an amount of joy that I know when people have rung and said, 
your book was just amazing. It helped me. It helped me understand my husband's stroke because you've put into words the emotional side of stroke, which not many people do. We talk about the rehab of physical, of your hand, let's get your hands and, and legs moving. Um, but the emotional side of stroke, I think we've only really just briefly tapped into. So treat it as a grief treat it as a loss that you've lost the life you had and if you can't return to that take that time to grieve over it and everybody's different it's people say shouldn't you know and I've got friends who say shouldn't you be over that stroke by now not to me but to other people and you know there's no there's no timeline on it you know I know people have gone six seven years post-stroke and still can't accept they've had the stroke so until you accept it's happened and accept that this is how you're going to be. You're never going to be able to move on. Yeah. So find people in your life that motivate you, that don't drag you down and seek the help that's there. And get those positive pants on every single day. Yeah. Make sure you have a clean pair every day in your drawer and try and see the positive of the life you have. And it's hard at first, but but you do get there, I promise you. And, and I love that, Sheila, because you've really hit the nail on the head. The hardest part about stroke is that it just kind of, takes you by surprise and you won't, ex- you know, if you smoke a cigarette, if you have a bad diet, if you don't move, you kind of expect if you don't treat your body right, something's going to happen. But, but stroke just takes you by surprise and it doesn't matter what age. Yeah. It doesn't matter the lifestyle, like you've had a very healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it just, and that's, I think, what is hard for people to accept is that, well, I'm, you weren't in control. You know, yeah. it's that perception mm-hmm. that I was not in control. And so when you say that, you know, don't say no to support, put your positive pants on every morning. How did that, so you started writing poetry. How did you distribute? How did you find that people were finding interest in your poetry? Well, what happened was um, through the Stroke Foundation, they gave me a number of Facebook sites that, about stroke. There, were, there was parenting after stroke. There was um, craft after stroke um, that is run actually by a lovely friend of mine, Karen, down in um, Melbourne. Uh, and there's another one and I can't think what it's called but I started posting on there and the feedback was really tremendous saying that you know we really you know and I've never been a particular poet some will say I'm maybe not now but the very Pamers style um, and you know they rhyme at the end and my brain would only work like that so Knowing others were getting comfort from it, my personal trainer, Melinda, said, well, why don't you publish a book? You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, how hard is that going to be? So she put me in touch with a beautiful soul called Alex Fullerton, who was the editor to my book, who has since herself had a brain injury. It's very interesting. And, yeah, two years on, 2015, I published A Stroke of Poetry. So... Lots of people bought it and buy it that actually have never had a stroke um, just for motivation because it doesn't matter whether you've had a stroke, heart heart failure, or you're actually um, depressed, you're in a rut. So a lot of people have bought it just to, I think, to give them some inspiration that this woman was here in her life. It covers the chronology of my first two years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, this is what she's achieved because through my training and through my mindset I started to run mm. so now I, I run 10ks wow I, I climb there's some glass house madness so I climb I cycle uh kayak I do lots of other things they're running 
I never ever thought I would do so. It's it's again, it's thinking well, positive. Hmm, okay, I want to run. Why can't I run? I've got my limbs. Yeah, I get a bit fatigued. Um, but yeah, so um, so that's it. And well done to you. That's so it's remarkable because. Oh God, you had an identity, you kind of transitioned, you've written a book. By the way, where can we find the book? Right, A Stroke of Poetry is on online, it's on all the major bookstores. Um, I can send a signed copy out to people uh, via my website. My website is a strokeofpoetry.com, very easy. Uh, I can send it out signed if they wish. I do free posting within Australia and yeah. Um, you can find it in there's a few bookstores here in um on the sunshine coast that that stock it yeah but it's available online and uh, and it's a lovely book and it's got some coloring pages in it that somebody suggested because color therapy is good for relaxation and if you're depressed and there's some beautiful affirmations in there and some nice pictures uh, photos of poems i've written about my son silly ones about the day i turned up at soccer without the oranges about putting the wrong ingredients in <laughs> bacon buns and it's yeah. not all sad yeah. it, 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 yeah. there's some fun ones in there yeah. so yeah it's a, it's a good read it's only 20 books so it's never going to break the bank is it and <laughs> probably cheaper online actually <laughs> <laughs> free shipping. i love that i love that so if somebody well first of all before i even get to the somebody if you now are right you've written a book you've <laughs> people have benefited from what how did that lead you to being an ambassador for the stroke foundation and how did that lead you to do speaking now yeah yeah well um i'd actually done some library talks um with um with my book and i'd talked about my book and what got me there and my story really Mm -hmm. which i really love to talk about because it shares and it educates and then as time went on, um, I got a, be- a lot better with my fatigue. My fatigue still is um, my fatigue is still an issue, but uh, the stroke, um, I applied to become a stroke self ambassador January 2017, did some training, and it's a really good educational PowerPoint presentation that we present to um, communities and health organisations around uh, on the Sunshine Coast. So um, it's and it's free and it's free and it, uh, I, we give leaflets about the signs of stroke, the FAST, which are mm-hmm. the signs of stroke: your face, arm, speech, and timeliness, which are the key factors. Um, and I love doing that. So as time went on, um, other people asked me to speak just about me. And last year I went to Townsville. Um, hospital to present at a stroke forum there wow. uh, to the occupational therapist not the stroke safe foundation presentation but my story and how I got there and many of the OTs came down actually in tears having listened to some of my poetry and said I never ever realized many of the stroke survivors we're dealing with uh, oh. have gone through that and go through that so it's a real insight so I launched myself as a motivational speaker and now Yay. 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 Yeah. As well as doing this free stroke safe ambassador presentations, I, I'm, I'm here for anybody for corporate health. And yeah, I talked to some um, exercise physiologists as, as at the Australian Catholic University Fantastic. Uh, last week. Just, yeah. And, and those are the things that I really like to do. I like to get into the health quite early. 
yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's good and I think because I was a policeman and I was a detective inspector I was in CID a lot so I was comfortable standing up in front of people so mm -hmm. I never feel uh, nervous um, mm. I just enjoy sharing and I think by sharing my story um, helps others understand straw but it also um, gives people uh, a gift that well to get better and yeah. give them some motivation and certainly educating mm. people about stroke and it's not like you said earlier Rita it's not an old person's illness I've recently become friendly with the two founders of Little Stroke Warriors, which are a Facebook group. I don't know if you've heard of them, mm. uh, but they are amazing. And they both had um, babies who'd had strokes in utero. So, oh and, the, the, and it's not well known. It's really, and, and, and the signs that they were showing um, weren't, weren't really identified in the early stages by the doctor and there was no support. And they've actually just won the, Stroke Foundation Award for Improving Life After Stroke. They'd be a good couple to talk to, Dee wow. and Kylie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, it's just yeah. remarkable because I know that um, you now have a new understanding, a new insight of life because, well, you've had to. Because most people change careers or change what they work or what they want to do because of just, you know, they didn't enjoy it as much, but yours necessitated it because yeah. are you happy with the journey it's taken on for you? Yeah, yeah I am. Yes. And my son, oh, he's 16 and a half now going back last year said, um, do you prefer your life before stroke mom or your life after, which are very different as you can imagine. Yeah. And it's like, I said, and as I don't know about you and your children, but when your children ask you a question, um, I always say to them, well, what do you think the answer would be? And he said, well, I prefer your life after stroke, mum, because it means that you're home more often. Wow. You're there for me. You can go to all my assemblies. Not that I've worked a lot, but it's, it's yeah. in children's brains, isn't it? It's like I'm around a lot more. Yeah. And sometimes I'm a bit crabby. I'm a bit, if I'm tired, <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah. nice to be around, but... Um, yeah, it's so. <laughs> I actually feel that I know this sounds a bit, you know, my husband sort of smiles on it, but I think this is probably what I was meant to do. Yeah, you know, I really feel that, and lots of people know me say that I have such passion about what I do, and I really do like to fight for rights of stroke survivors. Um, mm -hmm. I hope to get to Parliament one day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I like. Well, I've I've recently applied for a, a job on on one of the forums, but you know, it's it's. There's a lot of people doing what I do. I'm not. I'm not special. You know, I'm not special. I'm 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 me, and I do a good job. And there's lots of people out there like me who do the same. Lots of friends I've got to know who do the same. We the Stroke Foundation, the Voice of Australia. And I'm just another voice for them. So wow. if I can do what I can do and make something good out of something bad, then, you know, how much joy does that give your heart, really, when you think about it? Yeah. I love that. It's love just that. great. Yeah. And, and like, I think, Sheila, that's really what the crux of it all is there, is whether you, if you have suffered a stroke, or whether it's mild or it's major, it's a stroke. And it doesn't discriminate by age. A stroke is a stroke. And I think the greatest thing that you've demonstrated of coming out of the depression, the, um, 
the disbelief that it's happened is finding meaning, knowing that someone is deriving some level of benefit from what you're putting out into the world. I think that's the biggest thing. Absolutely. You have hit the nail on the head. Yeah, absolutely. You know, by doing what you're doing, you're helping others. Mm. And my book was my book. And, you know, I do donate some money from the book back to the Stroke Foundation, but I've evolved more than my book now. Mm. I've evolved as me, you know, Sheila Brennan, stroke survivor, stroke advocate, motivational speaker. You know, I am, I am, I am it, you know, and if I can deliver and help others, if not just educate, you know, if people have said, oh, I'm glad you taught me that because I, somebody I know has had a stroke, you know, so not just the education of it, but just saying, look, it's okay to have had a stroke. You've had a stroke. The fact I was fit and healthy has mm-hmm. helped me recover well. So that's been a bonus. But yeah, it's, it's just doing something in the world that is helping others. It, you know, any, everybody who does that knows how much joy it gives them. Yeah. And knowing you're preventing a stroke, preventing a death or disability, but you're also helping people get back on that road to positivity is, is just great. It mm. really is. It really is fulfilling. Yeah, and I'm pleased I can do it. Absolutely. And congratulations to you, Sheila, having overcome this this incident in your life that's now has just given you a new insight new uh new beginnings for you and really shown you a path that maybe you would never have been privy to had this not have happened exactly exactly that and people say you know i mean somebody actually asked me would you have written your book if you hadn't had a stroke i said well no not exactly because it's all about my stroke but will you write another no i won't because it was hard but yeah, I, I, maybe I wouldn't have found all the, the, the running or mm. who knows. And I tell you what I wouldn't have found. I wouldn't have found all the amazing people mm. that have come into my life um, mm. since then. And I'm, I'm very blessed to have, have gr- good friends. And the friends I've found, uh, like Alex, the editor of my book, we did an article together in a, in a national magazine about brain injury and understanding brain injury. And she's she's still suffering uh, a lot with her brain injury. And wow. It's weird when you, when you know somebody who's had something similar, you become a lot closer yeah. uh, because they understand what you're going through. Because visually, um, I don't look like I've had a stroke. And, people, and it is the invisible disability that just because I don't look like I've had a stroke doesn't mean I'm not suffering wow brain in here so so that's something i try and educate people as well it's it's you 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 don't know what's going on in people's lives so always treat them with kindness i think that's uh, that's what we need to advocate don't we absolutely and thank you i just want to say sheila this has just been a breath of fresh air because stroke is not spoken a lot and the the change you can have not only in your lifestyle and your family's life but just your outset on what to do with myself How do I be of benefit? And you're a beautiful example of how that can change and how your life can create more meaning if you just accept the support that's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I think older people... Uh, I don't know if it's the English in, in me, but become very stoic in this. Like, I'm okay, I don't need help. And older people, I think, struggle because they've always been taught to do it alone. But yeah, there's, there's so many. I mean, there's 30% in Australia are young stroke survivors, which are under 65. So that, that's, you know, that's a high percentage. And, you know, and many, as I say, are children and 
you know, they're like, they, they have different needs. We all have different needs as young stroke survivors because many are in relationships and yeah. going back to work. There's all these these um, battles that they have to face. So Absolutely. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky I have a lovely family who put up with me and my, <laughs> and my foibles. I am. I've been very blessed indeed. So, yeah. Well, you're certainly counting your blessings and I'm so glad and grateful that you've blessed us with your presence on the podcast today. So thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Rita, for having me. Thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. And we'll catch you very soon in the next episode.